Hello everyone, uh, it's your boy, your guy, the one called Fate, knocks at your door. It's your big boy Chungus here, coming at you live. It's not live. <laughs> it's not live. Uh, and we have, a, we have a new, we have a guest today, a guest arena, a guest a doodly. Yeah, hi guys, I'm, uh, I'm Connor, uh, I'm actually a famous rapper, my new mixtape Milk and Almonds is dropping next fall. I'm just kidding. I um, I have absolutely nothing going on. My life is an empty shell, which is why I'm here. Back to you, huh? <laughs> okay, thanks, friend. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> but anyways, welcome to another episode of uh, Tabletop Recap. And we have been uh, <clears throat> spending our episodes telling stories, but today we actually have our first review. And before the new set uh, for Magic the Gathering comes out, which is called... It's the Thero set. I haven't done a whole lot of research into this one, so I'm going into it kind of blind. I think Same. it's called Beyond Death or something like that. Real ominous. Um, but we'll be getting into another review when that comes out, and we'll have more details for you. <clears throat> yeah, so we're going to try to review each new Magic set like bef- sort of before the new one comes out, after we've had a lot of time to play it and buy it and everything. But uh, today we are reviewing... Throne of Eldraine. Yep. Is it Thrones? It's uh, Thrones of Eldraine. So. We're going to be covering the mechanics, the cards, characters, and a little bit of lore <clears throat> surrounding my personal favorite uh, Magic the Gathering set thus far. Yeah, nobody cares. But uh, we're adding something new to the podcast. Me. Uh, <laughs> yes, Connor, you, you are new. Very good. Uh, but we're also going to start rolling for initiative. We're all going to roll a d20, and whoever rolls the highest either gets to speak first or can yield their time to whoever they want to speak first. All right. All right. So, pony up, gentlemen. 19. I got 12. 15. So Connor goes first. Or at least he has initiative, whatever. Yeah. Uh... So do you want to start, or do you want to pick who starts? Uh, ask me a question, and then I'll talk about it. <clears throat> okay. Um, what, um, of the five mana cards, which do you think is your favorite to work with with Eldraine? Okay, so I just recently created my first mostly all Eldraine deck, because uh, I've never really gotten into like full into like sets and stuff, but I've been playing Magic forever, and I usually make a whole mix of stuff. So, actually, today I went and got a um, all-white boost, like one of those white-themed boosters for Eldraine. I love that Magic does that, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, me too. That's actually pretty cool. I wish Pokemon so did that. I, um, so, I got that, and I went through it, and I basically put all those in and put some lands in. Then I switched out a few. Like I said, mostly Eldraine. I, I think there are two non-Eldraine cards in here. Um, and it won on its maiden voyage. It won on its maiden voyage. Yeah, um, I won the first game with it. Um, yeah, so um, for Eldraine, I, uh, this is a mono-white deck, and um, I'm liking it right now. It's all I've done with Eldraine so far. Um, it's got some colorless, like some artifacts and stuff in it, but uh, yeah, I'm liking mono-white, but I usually, for non-Eldraine, my favorite... Um, type of deck to run is usually white black decks i've got an orjov deck that wrecks in um larger games but yeah i'm I'm liking mono white all right i don't particularly have a favorite monocolor in this set uh both the decks that i run that are majority eldraine are mixed uh, but they, each deck kind of focuses on a different mechanic so i run a red white and green giant deck that is 
one of my favorite decks to run. It's great deck. recently, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's and it's mostly Eldrain. Yeah, yeah it's it it's a little tricky because it relies on mana ramp since most of the minions uh, cost more than three mana each. Um, but w- as long as you get the cards and lands that you need right at the start of the game, you can pretty much steamroll and bully your opponents into submission. Yeah, and then my other deck is no, it's okay. And then the other deck that I run is a food deck, uh, blue and green. And uh, this deck is super finicky. Um, it's very easily to derail its strategy, but if you're able to get on top within the first five turns, which there are cards that allow you to do that, um, again, you can kind of bully and trick your opponents. Yeah, adding those wolves fixed that deck almost entirely. Yeah, what food? are those wolves called? Uh, they are um, Wicked Wolves. Nice. Um, so, <clears throat> kind of... Or de, so de, my favorite color in thr- I can't thing. talk. I am so sorry. Blue. You want to know why? Why? Frogify. Oh yes. <laughs> so why don't you explain I, us I, how that particular card works and how it can just be a total pooper for decks? So Frogify basically just turns a creature that you choose into a blue frog token. <laughs> and I just like frogs, and I also. <laughs> One of my the mo- the most powerful creature in my deck was Frogified, like right when that card came out, and then I powered it up back to its normal stance and won the game. So, it's just a fun a fun memory I have. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some of the mechanics of it. Uh, Connor, how do you feel about the storybook mechanic? Um, I'm liking it a lot. The um, like I said, this mono white deck, uh, it almost relies on the storybook. Stuff, but I, I love the fact that you can cast creatures as spells and then cast them as creatures again. Because one of the most annoying parts of magic, for me at least, is um, doing some big plays and stuff. Like, you get a really good hand at the beginning. You play some huge plays, and then all of a sudden you're top decking. You've got nothing in your hand, and then the game just kind of drags on because you can't do anything. Um, these That's story good observation. Bo- Huh? That's good. That's a good observation. Yeah, these uh, these storybook cards, though, kind of negate that, and I like them a lot because, uh, you know, you exile them, and then you can go and play them from exile. You And also, the other thing is that when they're exiled, they're, like, immune to any kind of milling. Yeah, you know? they're, they're untouchable like, until you bring them back out. So you can't, like, an opponent playing, like, a mill or discard-based deck... Um, just uh they can't get rid of those so um unless there's like a specific card that says anywhere in the universe this card is like gone or they get rid of them before you draw them true right um but that's one thing i like also i don't know how it is in other decks because i haven't played them but in the mono white these storybook cards actually have some uh some really good effects like um See, Fairy Guide Mother is the one I have in my hand right now. Target creature gets plus two, plus one, gains flying to lean up the turn. That's pretty good. Um, I like uh, I like uh, Ardenvale Tactician's ability. I used that against Hunt earlier on the first game with it. Um, tap up to two target creatures. And he had some strong stuff, and I was able to buy myself a turn just with that. And there's another one. Can't really find it. Um... Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Silver Flame Squire. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Untap it. So it kind of de facto gives your creature vigilance. So you attack one turn, it's tapped. 
but then you can use um, Silver Flame Squire's Adventure, untap your card, and buff it for a block when your opponent's not expecting you to be able to do that. So overall, I'd say that the um, storybook mechanic gives you some extra strategy to work with. And I'm a big strategy game aficionado, so I it really kind of resonates with me. Your decks are always way more creative than ours are. <laughs> I, I run, like, really indirect enchantment decks, and everyone gets mad at me when they uh, can't do anything without hurting themselves. That's well, why we're arch foes, because my deck is, like, super anti-enchantment. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of playing off what you were saying, I do love the versatility with the storybook aspects. Um, in my giant deck, um, 50% of all the monsters that I have that are giants run this some form of the ability. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that you have some that are instants so that you don't have to play them just on your turn. And the ones that are sorceries have, especially for the giants, overpowered mechanics. So, like, for instance, Bone Crusher Giant allows you for two mana to deal two damage to any target you want. It's a great first game starter if, so, if your opponent's trying to get the leg up. Uh, this especially is beneficial for me when you're playing your monk card. Yeah. So why don't you tell them, what's your monk card? Oh gosh, I don't, <clears throat> it's somewhere around here, I'm not going to go Well, we'll just it. explain um, what the basic concept is. It's a 0-2 card, I think it costs 2 mana, it's called Serene Monk, and I need to get more of them, because it's, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> so, it's a 0-2 monk, and its ability is whenever this creature blocks, it switches power with the creature being blocked. So when it blo say it blocks a 6-6 six, six, and it's a 0-2, it switches power so then the creature it's blocking is a 0-6 and Serene Monk is a 6-2. So um so it basically just negates any damage. Right. And Bone Crusher Giant just has with its storybook ability the ability to just pummel it into the dirt without even having to fight it directly. Um, Beanstalk Giant, which is one of the most versatile and actually expensive uncommon cards I've seen lately, has an ability uh, as a sorcery where you can select any random or any basic land from your deck and put it onto the field uh, untapped, which that untapped ability really gives you some options on your turn and for the next turn. And then, of course, its power and toughness is equal to the lands I control. So, really good synergy there. <clears throat> and probably the most overpowered and broken of the <clears throat> giants with storybook abilities is Realm Cloaked, where for five mana, as a sorcery, you can just destroy all non-giant creatures. This devastates games where you're playing with multiple people and they don't run Eldraine or giant cards. I feel like its two costs should be, like, switched. Like, it should be five to play it as a creature... <laughs> And then seven to do the board clear. Yeah, its board, its sorcery ability is a lot more valuable than it is as a creature. Although it's a powerful creature too, it's a seven. Yeah, seven but when you consider that Hunt's Dinosaur board wipe, Sun's Avatar Awakening, yeah, or whatever, it's like eight. It costs eight mana and it destroys all non-dinosaur creatures. Whereas, and it's also a seven-seven, I think. Yeah, it? yeah. And you only run two of those. I run four <coughs> of these Realm Cloak Giants. So as long as I'm able to draw them, I can board clear four twice as much as you for almost half as much mana and lots of the time when i pull mine i just don't have enough mana out yet and it's just like and then on, sitting there for a while yeah and then on top of that it's a seven seven giant with vigilance which means it doesn't tap 
So lots of potential with the storybook cards. And then there's other smaller ones like Curious Pear I run in my food deck because it generates food. You, you pay one mana, you get a food, and then you create a little child token. I love the fact that you can kill children uh, with this set. That's the reason I'm <laughs> here. I thought this game. was a PG podcast. <laughs> but my, my, my favorite thing about the storybooks is like it diversifies the deck. It's literally two cards in one. Yeah. So you have like twice as many options for each card in there. So it's it can like turn a 60 it card does, deck um, into almost like a 90 card deck. It yeah. feels like I feel like it does those dual what what those dual cards do but better, you oh, know? Yeah. Like the, the ones that are split the, in half down the middle. The I'm, ones, not, I'm not super familiar with those actually. So there was in all they they do them with certain random packs, but they're really common with Ravnica because the whole deal with Ravnica is that each faction runs two different colors. So they they'll have spells that you can pay just green or just blue for a certain amount mm-hmm. or you can pay both and you get those abilities but it's really rare to ever see two play at the same time because you basically would have to spend 12 mana Ooh. or you'd have to have a ramp right. or a reduced cost that would make it efficient to do so so it's really difficult but these storybook cards cut down on the price for that and you can play them at your pace not mm-hmm. you have this card you have to do this that and the other right now or never again um so those uh moving on from there okay so moving on a little bit from mechanics let's talk about some of the alternate forms of artwork um now i don't see this too often with magic the card games except with promos but this set uh has numerous cards i don't know how many to what extent but numerous cards that have alternate art forms that look like they are torn right out of a Grimm's fairy tale novel. Variants, basically. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they're called Showcase, right? Yes. I looked online. They are called Showcase. Some people just call them sh- uh, storybook cards uh, or the alternative forms of Eldraine, whatever. But they are beautiful. Um, the first card that I ever pulled from one of these was called Giant Killer, which, if you're familiar with the fairy tales, was based on Jack and the Beanstalk. And the standard card typically depicts a giant falling from a beanstalk with a boy cutting it down with an axe. But this one, with very wavy and vine-like depictions around the border, uh, as well as an actual storybook coding the bottom where all the text and abilities are, it shows where the giant has already been defeated and the boy is now standing over its corpse. Um, It's... Foil only in certain areas, giving it a, a real lifelike look compared to the standard cards, and they're just totally beautiful. The Realm Cloak Giant's my favorite one. So, I think it's gorgeous. With, yeah, with the hollow cloak. Oh, <clears throat> just a beautiful... You should definitely Google them if you're not driving or something. If you're driving, don't, don't <laughs> Google them. PSA of the day. Yeah. Um, Gotta be a good I boy. do enjoy the Realm Cloak Giant. But personally, my favorite, um, my favorite one actually is one that I don't have. I really like the Bone Crusher Giant one. It is way more foreboding and intimidating looking than the standard art. Whereas the standard art, it's just a, a big giant in red leather stomping on a knight. Um, in the other one, the giant is way more foreboding, and the imagery is shown from the perspective of the knight. So you're actually looking up at the sole of the giant's foot. Rather than just getting a profile of a man about to be murdered by a slightly bigger man. Slightly bigger. Like like the knight is 
five foot tall and the giant's just six foot. He's about 12. <laughs> He's about three or four times bigger than the other night. But when you consider the realm cloak giant literally has the realm cloaked yeah. around his shoulders, yeah. it really puts it into perspective of how big these guys can I get. I like how it, um, his cloak, like, you can tell from the card, it, like, is the ground itself. Like, yeah. he's wearing the ground as a cloak, because it's, it's, like, really you can cool. see the dirt under it and stuff. It um, You can also see the houses and the forests that dot yeah. the landscape at a vertical angle. So it, it's almost like, as he walks, the realm, the earth rotates beneath his feet. Yeah. Really imposing, but also really beautiful at the same time. And uh, let's talk about, like, the art from the set as a whole. Okay. Because it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really gorgeous. All, all I feel like the art for most of these sets is just beautiful. But this set yeah. kind of has a real fairy tale I, uh, look to it. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I'm not an art savant, so I can't ex- compare it to other artists or similar card sets. But what I can say is that I, had, <clears throat> I don't see this very often with Magic the Gathering. Having one whole set of cards with n- new and interesting ex- uh, mechanics and then having almost a completely separate set belonging to the set the first set same cards and everything with just even more beautiful and dazzling designs and as for is it thrones of eldraine thrones of eldraine thrones of eldraine um like i i actually am a big reader and i actually am into art go to museums a lot and Ooh, uh, wow. yeah right i <laughs> I'm cool. You think you're smarter than us? Yes. <laughs> it, How dare he be cultured? <laughs> but um, Stay away from my I, uh, daughter. At least, like I said, I, I've got my mono white deck out here. But uh, I've got some other cards from Matt's giant deck out here, too. It's very Canterbury Tales inspired, I would say. Um, very Arthurian. And, um, yeah, the art's really cool. Because um, I've... Noticed from like magic art, I've always liked magic art in general, For sure. um, but a lot of it takes um, inspiration from like either gothic art or um, or like very Tolkien inspired. In some cases, it's just straight up ripped from Dungeons and Dragons artists because yeah. Wizards of the Coast run do both. I saw yeah. one card that was just straight up the Mona Lisa. <laughs> they just they just like went to the gallery, took a picture of it on their phone, and just edited it into the card. It was illegal. It was absolutely illegal. <laughs> Copyright infringement. <laughs> um, but I'm um, I uh, I really like the art in this set. It's it's cool. Like big props to the actual artists who make this game. So, do you have a grim fairy tale that? So I guess what I'm trying oh, yeah, to ask Grimm is, yeah, Grim too. I forgot Grim. Yeah. Too. So like, what, what's Grimm. your favorite Grim fairy tale, Canterbury tale, anything? And well, this is supposed to be a PG podcast, and I can't mention any Grim fairy tale with it, and it still be PG. Give uh, us the Disney version. Tell us about yeah, the fake American <clears throat> ones. Yeah, the fake American ones. Oh gosh, you, hit you me can just a, give us a name. You can you hit me with a curveball. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, have a favorite one. I couldn't um, answer that question right let's away. See. Gosh, <laughs> we can move on. Yeah, let's move. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's come back to that and let me think about yeah. that because I wasn't expecting. I didn't that realize one. that was such a deep question. <laughs> Do you know like, those like... are long books? <laughs> <laughs> I think you actually specifically wanted to talk about food tokens for some yeah. reason. Yeah. So this, <laughs> and I'll think about what my favorite. Is. So this isn't so and much. I'll pick a, my nose. Uh, this isn't so much a mechanic so much as something that can be used in other mechanics, but. Uh, Throne of Eldraine's also introduced the food tokens. Now, food tokens are a classified as an artifact, despite being made of organic matter. 
that can be sacrificed for two mana and then in turn give the person who sacrificed it three health. Like in um, Skyrim. Yes. You, you, you eat and you get better. Uh, that's why I always steal every single cheese wheel I can find. <laughs> because 15 health for days, boys. Uh, um, but there are numerous cards that are able to generate food tokens and like, use uh, food tokens. The goose? Yes. So cards, uh, my personal favorites that generate food are the golden goose. The goose? The goose! That's where that meme comes from. <laughs> our, um, well, it's only our, it's like an inside meme. It's yeah. Not- <laughs> Check out, check out. Uh, yeah, the V3 Productions yeah, YouTube channel. Uh, Feasting Troll King, which you guys always hate when he comes out because he generates yeah, he's tough. a ton of food, and then if he dies, he just uses that food to come back from the dead. Yeah, he's real tough. Uh, and then of which course, which is weird for a green card too. Like, yeah, the, that, that's like a black yeah card thing, like Resurrection from the Dead. That's usually associated with black 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 mom. Right. I can't talk today. It's okay. And then of course, curious pair is the starting card to get the food accumulation going. So like in my food deck, the whole point is to accumulate a whole store of food early on in the game, and then just as I need it, um, consume it or sacrifice it as needed. Um, and but summoning food isn't just the only thing. You can uh, use food with Gilded Goose or. Uh, Oko Thief of Crowns, my planeswalker, and I'll talk about him in a minute. He's a real special boy. Um, Use them to get mana, resurrect certain cards, uh, and my main defender card, Wicked Wolf, can actually consume food, thus having it sacrificed. And not only does it. A wolf that can eat? I'm shocked. That it can actually consume food? Shut Explain up. this concept to me. You're going to want to delete that terrible joke during that. <laughs> Anyways. I'm proud. <laughs> uh, it consumes the food, and not only does it get a permanent 1-1 buff, but it also uh, becomes invulnerable for an entire turn and fights another target creature. I'm not big on Okay, that. and uh, then there's Oko, the, the only Planeswalker that I run in this deck, but he is like the cornerstone because he not only creates food tokens, but he also messes around by trading control of those food tokens with other players' cards and creatures. So, like all Planeswalker, he, Planeswalkers, he has two minor abilities and then one big ultra move. And his first ability is he creates a food token for two loyalty counters. That's actually pretty good, considering that most Planeswalkers only get plus one. His secondary move gives you one loyalty counter, but... Uh, he can turn any target creature or artifact into a 3-3 elk with uh, green mana colors. And when this happens, that creature also loses all effects and abilities that are attributed to it. So it's almost like Frogify, but with elks instead of frogs. Yeah. And then so therefore is, not as good. <laughs> well, it depends. Are, am I changing I someone like, else's cards yeah. or am I changing my own? Because Have you ever met an elk, though? Those things will kill you. <laughs> Frogs yeah. will kill you. They're like light moose. <laughs> yeah. But it's meese. No, Price. it's not. <laughs> so it's meese. But, but then his ultra <laughs> spelled like mice. His M E E S E. But then Oko's ultra ability, which okay. honestly isn't as ultra, seeing as it only costs five loyalty counters, allows its controller to switch a target artifact. So if I have a food token which is next to worthless by itself, with one of Hunt's dinosaurs that costs three or less, he loses a monster and I gain a monster and just 
completely messes with his dex equilibrium. And I can do this so long as I keep him on the field. So food, if used in the right way, can be more than just personal consumption. It can be a game-changing mechanic, and that's one of the reasons I find it entertaining. Yeah, but like you were saying with your deck being finicky... Um... Yeah, because I played with you before where your deck didn't work at all, and yeah. I just stomped you. For a while, and, the food deck but, like couldn't attack at all. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, uh, with the food mechanic, if you get your food tokens out, it's unstoppable. But uh, if you don't, then it's um, you can't really do anything. This is true. And I think the reason for that is because I'm having to make do with some of the other cards that I can't afford to have. So, for example, I only have one Oko. And he's the standard Oko. He's not the foil and he's not the alternative uh, full art Don't one. Don't you have the exclusive one for the deck as well? The Hermit Purple one? Yeah, but he does things totally different, so he's actually worth less than this one. All right, plus, I was, yeah, I thought he was a different card. Plus, just because, he, plus becomes he because he comes with a Planeswalker deck... <laughs> He's anyone can get him. Yeah, this guy by himself is a forty dollar card, and the deck Whoa. supposedly says you need to be running four Oko. So I can't afford to chalk up a hundred and sixty dollars for another card. Yeah, and then on top of that, one of the other cards that I run for this deck just that, join a pyramid scheme. <laughs> that's but, what everyone. That's what all the women we went to high school with did. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, then there's another creature card that works really well with this. It's called Hydroid Crassus. And I do run a set of Hydras in this deck, but they're kind of like the cheaper version of Hydroid. Yeah, they don't do much unless he's on the field. Right, and Hydroid basically does the same thing that my Hydras do, except it does them better, and the card costs $50. So for a grand total between the Okos and the Hydroid Crassus, or Crassus, whatever, plural, um, it runs about $200 for eight cards. And while... I am more comfortable with my magic budget. I'm not that comfortable. <laughs> so I've had to supplement some cards. So is it as good as it could be? No. But I am very pleased that I've got it as well as it can work right now. Because between the one Oko, the other Hydra creatures that I have, the the, the Wicked Wolf, I, I've won several games recently with the few changes I've made. So food yeah. compared to Giants is probably my second favorite deck right now. Yeah, once you put attack power in there, it was it was a strong deck. Once you got some real good attacking cards like the Wolves. And then if all if push comes to shove, then of course the uh the feasting troll kings can definitely put up uh take as much punishment as they can give out because yeah, they cost 6, four of which has to be green mana which can be inconvenient at times, but a 7/6 that you can summon, have it killed and then summon for a cost less than what you would pay. By sacrificing food tokens, yeah. that's insane. And all you have to do to keep that um, going is just keep summoning food tokens. Okay, so I don't know if you guys are, but I have been getting involved in the lore of magic. And I'm not. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm just going to say right now, uh, I really do hope that they do some sort of television or movie adaptation of some aspect, but I love the stories that they tell in Magic the Gathering. The Netflix one's been rumored for years, but I bet it never happens. And they've already confirmed that there's an MMORPG 
of the Magic the Gathering That's universe. Uh, really looking forward to check that out. That probably will be cool, actually. They should do an anime about people playing Magic and make it like Yu-Gi-Oh! Speaking like, of which, if you I, ever get the chance... I would watch do... that for any trading card no, game. No, wait, but the, well, but the they problem have, is... They already have card <laughs> concepts for it, because in some of the base sets in Japan, they have alternate anime artwork of the Planeswalkers. So they've already got the concepts but for that. But the problem <laughs> is that like in the anime version of Magic, much like Yu-Gi-Oh! They probably wouldn't follow the rules of the game entirely. Well, like, well, when Yu Gi Oh went on, they followed him better. Like, Yu Gi Oh got better about that. Wait, what are we talking yeah, about? I mean, <laughs> the, the whole Before we was, started recording, Big Boy Chungus said, Don't let me get off topic. My, uh, and then we immediately got him off topic. I got, one, I got one thing. There's a YouTube series called um, Everything Wrong with Yu Gi Oh! And it goes through, like, a lot of it and it's just like a play-by-play of like the whole series where they're saying like like basically they're just making up rules the whole time but they're pointing out exactly what they're making up and i'm like well Yu-Gi-Oh is relevant to the podcast so <laughs> i guess that was an okay thing but uh the reason why i'm very excited about the lore for throne of eldraine is because it's actually bringing back one of my favorite characters in the series um garrick the wild huntsman and for those of you who don't, I, I remember if you don't is know, is he the lion dude or the no, tiger wolf, dude? Wolf, wolf. Okay. Um, it's so like a beastmaster kind of. He is. So Garrick was one of the first basic single mono planeswalkers that came out when planeswalkers were introduced to the Magic: The Gathering series. So about what you think, 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Around then, I was in high school, so yeah, around then. Um, and I, for, for I'm a meathead, and I've always yes. loved meathead characters. Now Garrick. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Does that mean you eat a lot of meat? It means I'm not... I don't think Smart. things through all the way. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> all right, Ogiasu. But you um, also eat a lot of meat. Don't right. talk about my diet. <laughs> you eat- um, but Garrick, uh, Garrick by, by any means is not a meathead. He may not have the intelligence of Jace or the cunning of Chandra, but he knows strategy. Connor and I are just chuckling at each other because we don't know what you're talking about. Like he knows strategy and meat. <laughs> He's a huntsman, all right? Leave, leave me alone. Leave that makes alone. sense to me. Yeah, and what do you hunt for? Animals. The for delicious, what? yummy they're, meat. They're meat, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this PG. Um, that was PG. That was, how is that not PG? I'm We're just saying your diet's bad. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying not to curse. Um, anyways, Ghost so... Longhorn Garrett, by night. To end that, Garrick, just know that Garrick's one of my favorite characters. And about three or four years ago, they basically cursed him. They said that, okay, this character's evil now. He's got a blight on him. And he was so evil and that he was and he was killing other planeswalkers that everyone literally said, We can't be around him and he can't be involved with us. Let's just put him in his own dimension where he won't bother us. We'll take the planeswalker. And put him over there. That's actually, like, even the main bad guy, Nicola Bolas, who literally wants to eat the planeswalkers. Nicola Bolas, not He wants Nicola to eat the planeswalkers? He, well, he wants to eat their planeswalker energy so he So it's like ascend. Smurfs. Uh, it's like Gargamel, or whatever his Sort name of, is. except Gargamel wouldn't turn into a god after eating so many planeswalkers. How do you know? They always yeah, how do you know? He never ate the Smurfs. They always stopped him. He never ate the Smurfs. I'm not talking about Smurfs. <laughs> we're, we just have nothing to say because we don't know lore, so we're just going to bug you the whole time. Uh, think, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a Marvel character who eats people, or <clears throat> kind of like Galactus. Galactus eats plants to yeah. sustain himself, 
And Bolas wants to do yeah. the same thing with Planeswalkers. Eating to, to sustains oneself was a foreign concept to me until this podcast. So I mean, yeah, now I get I mean, it. Fine, I'll, I'll make this quick because this is done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll we'll leave you alone and let you tell your story. I'm sorry. So they they. <laughs> The magic's gone. I, I can't let no. him say that about <laughs> the magic. The magic's gone. literally all the over the table. Over, yeah, <laughs> the whole desk is magic. The floor is covered in magic cards. The my table. soul and my love of lore is now as dead as Garrick's victims. You ruined this game for me. I quit the podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, just me and Connor now. We're gonna rename it. But so, so Garrick is away killing people, and Nicola Bolas. Um, I know I pronounced his name wrong. Sue me. Um, he okay. he doesn't even want to approach Garrick to offer him a position of capturing planeswalkers because Garrick will just straight up kill people, and he's like, "I don't need you killing people. I need you bringing them to me so I can eat them. Get out of my house." Um, but Garrick in this set, they brought him back. They found a way to in the story and lore cure him of his curse. So I'm really looking forward to see how they're going to bring Garrick back into the Planeswalker fold in newer expansions. That's all I have to say about that. Are you happy now? <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Miserable <laughs> No, Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, I thought you were making fun of how he gets a little bit of an accent when he gets mad sometimes. No, I was... I do too. Forrest it's fun. Which is... <laughs> That's not a Forrest Gump impression. Do your Forrest Gump impression, Matthew. Mama always said that box of chocolates is like life. <laughs> Decent impression, bad sentence. He's not that kind of... Like, Forrest, that's a good... Forrest Gump isn't near as dumb as you is the problem. Shut up. <laughs> so, is there anything else we want to talk about for this set? You you haven't given us your favorite story yet, Connor. I'm never talking about lore on this podcast ever again. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, I want to hear the lore. I think it's important for the podcast. I just am a jerk, also. And, see, putting you down makes me feel better yeah. about myself. I'm going to remember this the next time we talk about Ultraman or yeah. any kind of Japanese hero-related. Yeah. When we do the Pokemon thing, game and I'm talking about Pokemon lore, you're just going to roast me the whole time? As for my thing about my favorite, like, out of the grim fairy tales and stuff, I, I can't because I like the, the real ones and they're all pretty R-rated. So. You, you couldn't even just... Name one to get us off your back. They're a all they're all horrible. Like no, I can't even say like and then give you a thing. <laughs> okay, it's fine. We get it. Fine, if it's you just love it as a whole, and we'll say yeah. That. No, I I um I like all those legends. It's cool because like when you know history and stuff, and you see like the time period they came out of, it's actually really cool. Yeah, old timey stories didn't hold back. No, old-time stories did not hold back. <laughs> it's great. Well, when you consider that this was around the time of real-life Game of Thrones, where people would backstab, oh, cut yeah. heads, and poison at a whim, it's not surprising. Medieval Europe And then that translates into violent. the game, when we all backstab each other. When someone makes a deal with someone else in a three-way game, and then they betray you, I know exactly which your whole family does to me. <laughs> so, that's that's that. I'm mad. <laughs> now you know how I feel I'm, when I'm trying I'm, to explain lore. I'm suddenly angry. <laughs> well, as fun as this has been, uh, I am really looking forward to the new Thero set. I know you guys are new to it, and uh, as far as what new stuff is coming out, I'm going in blind. Same. But I remember the first Thero set that came out back in 2012, 2013, 
And it's pretty much just all Greek mythology. So we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff with the Pantheon of the Gods, Titans, heroes and legends, sagas and epics. I'm just super stoked for yeah, it. Yeah, the Greek gods had great bods. Also, uh, there's... Greek Thank you for pity laughing. <laughs> when it, also, when it comes to gods of the Greek origin, we're also looking at indestructible. So be prepared to see a lot of things that are going to be on the field and staying on the field. Ooh. Like uh, Primal Dawn. Exactly. Yeah. Love who, my Primal who wants Dawn. to see a Greek god go up against a giant pterosaur? <laughs> I do. Every day of my life. I'll never turn that down. But uh, that's it for today's podcast. Uh, this is our shortest one yet, but... I mean, we don't have a really a minimum time length or anything. I think it's good. I think we covered everything we needed to for the set. This was our first review. Hope you all very much enjoyed it. Uh, I'm Hunt. Uh, check out the Toku King podcast, which is another podcast we have, an audio drama that's very uh, Power Ranger Godzilla-ish. Uh, I'm your big boy Chungus. Be sure to check out my eBay shop at MadTalk1994 for some awesome cards and merch. A uh, little There's slow. There's no merch. <laughs> Pokemon merch, maybe. No podcast merch. Well, it's maybe stuff that one I'm day. Selling. Maybe one it's day. It's stuff that I'm selling. That'd and be cool. Can you imagine selling it like a shirt that said the one called Fate knocks at your door and it like selling? <laughs> I would love no, that. And then everyone like, knowing how dumb you are. I would love when that. When we get to our D and D podcast, we will explain that joke, I swear. You got right. um you got like a t shirt, it's got like each of our faces like each shirt has <laughs> like one of our faces and people have to like choose who their favorite personality is and then like yeah. There's some, there's someone on You're the wearing a Connor the shirt. It's like yeah, street exactly. gangs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, do you have anything to shout out, Connor? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I'll definitely check that out. <laughs> but actually, uh, thank thank you guys for having me, and I hope to be back on here in the future. This is a lot of fun, and I don't have any friends. So like, <laughs> that's true. You don't. Get out of my house. Absolutely leave. I look forward to doing more uh, magic and board game stuff in the future. We look forward to having you. Thank you all very much for your support. Uh, If you check out the link in the description, it'll take you where you can donate to support the show. And we'll see you all next time.